A video version of this podcast is available at AboundingJoy.com and also on our YouTube pages. Well, hey guys, thanks for watching this fourth and final video in the EE series. Before we go on, you may want to, guess what I'm going to (laughs) say? Yeah, you're going to want to pause this for a minute to see how much you can remember from what we've talked about in the first four. At least the two diagnostic questions and at least the five headings of the EE presentation with the two subheadings that each one of them has. Okay? Why don't you try that? Pause right now. Remember, heaven or eternal life is a free gift. cannot be earned or deserved. It has to be that way because we're all sinners. We're, man is a sinner. He cannot save himself. We learn that God is merciful and loving and doesn't want to punish us, but God is just and must punish sin. We also learn that God had a solution to that sin problem all along, and the solution is Jesus. He is the infinite God-man, and he died on the cross to pay for our sins. And it's critically important that we know who Jesus is. That's what we talked about in the last video. He's not just a great man. He's God come in the flesh. We've got to know why he came. He came to die on the cross to pay for our sins so that he could offer us eternal life as a free gift. Okay? So having all that communicated... Here's a transition sentence you might want to use to lead into a discussion of faith. So here we are. So we've we've heard, we've understood all these things that God says about grace and man and God and Christ. and, And because heaven really is a free gift and because God loves us so much and because Jesus died to pay for our sins, it may seem that more maybe that means everybody gets to go to heaven automatically. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we must receive the gift. We receive it by something the Bible calls faith. And that's what I want us to think about for a few minutes today. Okay, you may remember that the two subpoints of the faith heading are what it is not and what it is. So we focus for a little while on what faith is not. Faith is one of the most important words in the Bible. There's no question about it. But in our day, it's used so often in so many different ways, people just toss it around kind of lightly, that we can get confused about what God means when he uses it in the Bible. So we can have a hard time understanding what it really is. What's happened here is our enemy, the devil, he's pretty good at muddying the water, as we've already seen, causing confusion. God has made this very simple, but Satan likes to complicate things by confusing the definitions of the words. And unfortunately, many people use this word faith to describe something that's very, very different from the kind of faith that leads to salvation. You know, the kind of faith, I guess we'd call biblical faith. They're they're using it in a very different way. Let me give you an example. Some people claim that faith means you accept something of a spiritual nature to be true and you commit your life to it, even though there's no evidence for it whatsoever. Sometimes people will condescendingly try to sound nice. You know, they're trying to be nice to you and say, well, okay. If you want to be a Christian, that's fine. Maybe it's true for you, but it isn't true for me. I'm glad you have faith in something, you know, and they pat you on the head. (laughs) And I hope by now that you realize what a nonsense statement that is, even if it's meant to be nice, (laughs) because something's either true or it's false. Truth is what corresponds to reality. We've talked about this in other Veritas videos. Don't let other people redefine truth for you by talking nonsense like true for you, but not true for me, or your truth and my truth. That's absolute nonsense, balderdash, ridiculous insanity. Don't don't go there. And faith is not making ourselves believe something in spite of the evidence. That's nonsense. 
because God's given plenty of evidence for His existence and for the fact that we can trust His Word and for the truth about Jesus, who He is and what He's done. It's, it's, it's all very clear. And by the way, it's part of what He means when He commands us in 1 Peter to be able to give an answer or make a defense to anyone who asks us a reason for the hope that's in us. You know, it's part of our Veritas series. But there are people out there who have a secularist, materialistic, naturalistic, atheistic worldview. They just don't want to accept the truth about God. So they claim that we Christians have no evidence for what we believe. They claim that we just choose to believe something very irrational, kind of like taking a leap in the dark. <laughs> but listen, guys, please, as, as well-equipped Christians, we're living in a culture today we must, this isn't optional anymore, we must learn how to graciously, lovingly, gently show them how we know that what we believe is true. Now, I know some of you are saying, but I, I know in my heart it's true. That's wonderful. I'm not belittling that at all. But you realize it's one thing to know in your heart that it's true. It's quite another thing to be able to show others how they can know it's true too. We need to be able to do that. We need to be very familiar with the content of the Veritas 2020 videos. Another thing that faith is not is what we call intellectual assent. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just saying, oh, I, I know these things are true in my head. You see, some people will say they have faith because they say, oh, I believe everything the Bible says. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe he rose again from the tomb. And they assume that because they have the head knowledge that those things are true, that that must mean they're Christians. But think about it. It's obvious that that doesn't, that doesn't mean they're Christians because the devil and the demons, they know all those things are true too, right? Sure they do. James said, you believe there's God is one? He said, you do well. But even the demons believe and tremble. It's, it's not just a matter of head knowledge. You know, Jesus was casting demons out of the man we call Legion, you know, the Gadarene demoniac. And behold, the Bible says, they, talking about the demons in Legion, cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? They knew who he was. Have you come here to torment us before the time? They knew the authority he had. Didn't mean they were followers. Didn't mean they were submitted. Didn't mean they were Christians. The point is, the kind of faith that leads to salvation, to eternal life, to a personal relationship with God, is more than just head knowledge. Now, we got to know these things are true. And Veritas 2020 can help you with that if you have questions about that. But just knowing that it's true alone will not save us. There are others who assume that they have faith because they talk to God a lot about what's going on in their lives. Sometimes we call that temporal faith. Some people might say, well, I'm sure I'm going to heaven when I die because I, I talk to God all the time. They pray every day. They ask God for help to get through the day. They ask God take care of their families. They may ask for financial provision. They may ask for healing when they're sick. Now, I don't say there's anything wrong with that kind of praying. I pray that way myself a lot. I hope you do too. It's just that if that's as far as it goes, it's really not the kind of faith that leads to eternal life. It's just kind of what we call temporal faith. It's just trusting God for temporal things, things in this life. Another thing it isn't, it is, it's not just faithfully attending church. There's some people who have believed that they must have faith and they must be Christians because they go to church all the time. But guys, you've heard this analogy probably, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car or, 
or maybe standing on the campus of Tennessee Tech or, or MIT makes you an engineer. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> no. And it's not just praying a sinner's prayer. A lot of people get confused right here. They assume that they're Christians because they said a prayer when they were younger. And they asked Jesus to come into their heart, maybe. But listen, it's possible to say the prayer without faith. It's possible to say just a bunch of words. And the words may all be good words, but if they're just words that we're repeating after somebody else, and there's no change taking place in our hearts, in our lives, uh, that's not saving faith. Another thing we must not confuse salvation faith with is some kind of emotional experience. I've had people tell me, oh, I'm totally confident I'm going to heaven because I can remember this incredibly intense emotional experience I had. And then it might have been in church. It might have been in church camp or some kind. It might have been in Bible school. I remember a man telling me one time that it felt like bolts of electricity going through his body. But the Bible doesn't associate anything like that with salvation faith. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that doesn't mean he's a Christian. doesn't mean he's not a Christian. It just doesn't necessarily mean he's trusting Jesus. It's because you have bolts of electricity going through your body. So these are not what God's talking about when he says, by grace are you saved through faith or believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. By the way, these English words for faith and believe, they're based on the same Greek root. You know, the, the Greek is very similar. One's a noun, one's a verb. But the kind of faith that leads to salvation and eternal life, it does start with realizing that what the Bible teaches is true, but it doesn't stop there. Once you realize what the Bible teaches is true, that we've lived selfish, sinful lives, it leads to repentance. We change our minds. We change our hearts about sin and about Jesus. And we commit our lives. We give our lives to Jesus. Biblical faith changes us from the inside out. Now, now Jesus has to do that work himself. But now something happened. Instead of our lives being all about me, my life's all about Jesus now. That's what a Christian is. True saving faith means trusting Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ, not just for things in this life, but for eternal life, for salvation. That kind of faith, guys, changes our lives forever. Now, here's an illustration that I think maybe can help us understand that a little better. In real life, I would act this one out, okay? But we call it the chair illustration. You see that chair over there? Yep. Does that chair look real? Yep, looks real to me. Yeah, this is not a trick question. It, it, it looks real, doesn't it? Do you think it would hold you up? Uh, yeah, I think it would. Yeah, I do too. It looks like a good sturdy chair. Is it holding you up right now? Well, no. Why not? Because I'm not sitting in it. And so I say, yeah, that's kind of the way it is with trusting Jesus. You see, I can look at that chair and say, I know it's real. It looks sturdy. I know it could hold me up, but it can't hold me up until I go over here and sit down in it. And I would actually go across the room and sit down in that chair. And so it's like that with Jesus. I can know the facts about Jesus. I can say, oh, I believe those facts about Jesus. I know he could save me, but he can't do it until I trust him. Just like I transferred my weight from the floor to that chair, from this chair to that chair, I transfer my trust from myself, quit trusting myself, and start trusting Jesus. Here's another illustration you might want to use. In the 1800s, there was a very famous Frenchman named 
Charles Blondin, ever hear, hear of him? He was an incredible acrobat, but he was also a tightrope walker. In the 1850s, he visited the United States, he had a very successful tour in the United States, attracted huge crowds. And his most famous act was walking a tightrope across the Niagara River, very near Niagara Falls. It was 1,100 feet across. So he would walk across and come back and everybody would cheer. He did it carrying a man on his back. He did it on stilts. Can you imagine that? What a sense of balance that man had. He did it pushing a wheelbarrow. And the story goes that after he pushed the wheelbarrow across the river and back, and the people were just roaring with approval, they were screaming their approval and clapping their hands and all excited. And they calmed down a little bit. He asked the crowd, how many of you believe I could do that with a person in the wheelbarrow? And everybody said, oh, yeah, of course you can. We know you can. We've seen what you can do. He said, good. Who will be first? <laughs> and everybody got really quiet. <laughs> and, and I think that story does a pretty good job. Don't you of illustrating the difference between head knowledge, yeah, I know, I know, I know, and genuine faith where we commit our lives to Christ. Now, there are a few people who will say, well, what's the point then of living a good life? What's the motive? If heaven is a free gift, if Jesus died to pay for it and we receive it by faith, then why should I obey him? Well, you wouldn't ask that question if you really understood what faith is. But when you really do trust Jesus, he's going to change you from the inside out, you see. The Bible says very clearly, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. We're new in Christ. He changes our desires. He does. We find ourselves wanting to serve Him and glorify Him and please Him. We want to follow Him. I'm not saying there's not a war going on. I mean, we're weak in the flesh. And we're constantly fighting our own fleshly desires and temptations from the devil and temptations from the world. Oh, yes, we're in a war, which is why I'm always telling people, stay in the battle. We persevere. But a true Christian finds himself with a deep, inner desire to please Jesus, to live for Jesus because of what Jesus has done for us. We're not the same as we once were. There was a man who was president of Princeton University at one point who said, when I was a young man, I gave my life to Christ. I received the gift of eternal life. Now I'm an old man, and all my life since then has been like a P.S. to a letter in which I've tried to say thank you for what he did for me on that day. You see, he changes us completely. Someone said that receiving the gift of eternal life is, is kind of like a beggar receiving a gift from a king. The beggar doesn't deserve the gift. The king has all the money. The beggar can't give anything in return, just like we can't deserve the gift of salvation. It's, just, it's a gift. But by God's amazing grace, we have it because of Jesus. Well, I hope all this makes sense to you. And I hope you've already transferred your trust from yourself to Jesus. But if you haven't, you know what? You can do it right now. Now, if you still have questions after watching these videos, I'd be thrilled to talk with you about it some more. You can call me. You can text me. You know, there may be some things I haven't talked about that are problems in your own mind. I'll be glad to talk about it and help you with it. But listen, guys, take me seriously. It really is the most important decision we can ever make. Our eternity depends on how we make this decision. Just remember, it's not complicated Jesus said we couldn't even enter the kingdom of God unless we became our little children. It isn't complicated, but it has to be real. 
It has to be genuine. It has to be something taking place in our hearts. And so it's important to clarify these things. And that's what I've tried to do here in these videos. Because we have an enemy and he's muddied the water with legalism and he's muddied the water with confusion about the seriousness of sin and confusion about God, and confusion about Jesus and confusion about faith. He's deceived a lot of people here. So make sure you're not confused. Make sure you're not deceived. And it may be after listening to these videos, you're thinking, you know what? It's what I need. I need Jesus. I need salvation. I need to repent of my sins. I need to trust Jesus. Well, just do it. You'll never regret that decision. It's not complicated. You could go to God right now in prayer. You could tell him you're sorry for your sins. Thank him for dying on the cross to forgive you. Ask him to come into your life. You just hit pause in the video and pray right now. If you truly trust him, he will keep his word. He'll give you the gift of eternal life. He'll make you part of his eternal family. And prayer's not complicated, guys. It's just sharing your thoughts with God, okay? But if you feel like you need some help verbalizing a prayer, I'll be glad to help you with that too. Just remember the danger of you praying after me is, is to think, well, I'm saying the magic words, so I guess it's going, no, 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 it's, there's no. No magic, no magic prayer here. No magic words here. Only it matters what's in your heart. God already knows that. But if you'd like a sample prayer, I'll be glad to give you one right here. And if you'll pray it and mean it, I tell you, Jesus will save you right now. Now, remember, I know I've underlined this so much, but I feel like I have to. There are a lot of people who said prayers like this, but they really weren't serious about the repentance and faith. They just treated it like magic words. Listen, it's better not to pray at all than to think there's some kind of magic in the words. That's just plain foolishness. But here's a prayer you could pray with me if you want to if you want to do that. The, the words might vary a little bit. You don't have to pray the same prayer. It's a heart that counts. So let's pray. Father, I want to pray right now for the person who's watching this video who may be really and seriously for the first time ready to turn his or her life over to you. May be ready to repent of sin, to turn from sin, and to trust Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would give them that gift of repentance, and I pray you'd give them the gift of faith, and I pray you'd help them to mean what they're saying as they pray with me, not just to say some words. So, Lord, would you work in that heart and, and, and just help this person who's praying with me right now to, to, to pray these things from his or her heart. So now, just repeat after me. You can repeat out loud if you can. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sin. I admit I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. Lord Jesus, I transfer my trust from me to you. I invite you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins and for giving me the gift of eternal life. Now, Father, I know if someone's prayed that prayer with me right now that you have done exactly that. You've forgiven their sins. They're your child. Whether they feel anything or not, you're living your life through them now. And their life's all about you now. You've made them into a new creature. And now they have eternal life. And now they're one of your kids. And I pray, Lord, that you'd give them a sense of assurance about these things. 
and, and help them to realize that these things are true and help them to, from now on to begin a process of growth. You call it sanctification in your word. That, that they will little by little become more and more like Jesus and bring you a lot of glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, if you pray that prayer and you meant it, Jesus lives within you. He'll never leave you. He'll also change your life forever. You'll be able to tell whether you really meant it or not down the road, whether you were serious about it or not. Listen, I posted a video that will help you grow stronger in Him. We don't have time to talk about it all right now, but it's the Veritas 2020 video number 29, Get Started Growing in Christ. Be a good one to watch right now. And listen, if you still have questions, text me, call me, email me. I'll be glad to talk with you about these things. Just don't forget, we really are in a spiritual war. We really do have spiritual enemies. So you have to stay in the battle, okay, until God calls you home. Okay, guys, if you've trusted Jesus today, and you'd like some direction in knowing what's next in your Christian life, I put there on the screen some things that will help you. You might want to either pause this and write them down or take a screenshot. But check out AboundingJoy.com. You'll find a lot of helpful things there. But in particular, you need to look for the Veritas 2020 number 29 video, Get Started Growing in Christ. You can find it at AboundingJoy.com. You can also find it in YouTube in our Veritas 2020 uh, playlist. So you might want to check that out. Or if you like, you can email me at steve at aboundingjoy.com or you can text or call me. Of course, if you call me, you'll just have to leave a message on my voicemail at 423-261-5562. God bless you.